break them down in twos. <laughs> nah, we do. Baby, read. You're like a a black white guy to me. Like your your steez, like how you go about shit. Like it's just like Tyler is the exact same way. Right. He can't swim, which is stereotypical. So. Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of the Ball Street Journal podcast. Nishan and I, I are back. It's been a long time since we've been able to do this pod. We've been wanting to do it across different rounds of the playoffs, but we finally got a chance to do it today as we're on the eve of Game 2 of the finals. So, before we start talking about these finals, I just want to take some time to talk about the the other team in LA, the Clippers, who all season were talking so, so much. I remember as soon as they got Kawhi and PG, they were talking about how the prices are going to go up <laughs> for Clippers games. Let me just say, prices never went up. <laughs> They're always the Clippers. And then they started talking about how it's over for all the other teams. It was only over for them. And then on top of all that, <laughs> Paul George gave this one interview <laughs> about how he's like, oh, we have two elite guys who can get a basket and stop uh, other people from getting a basket. Game 7 of that that series against the Nuggets, I mean, PG was hitting the side of the backboard. It was just uh, incredible to see as a Clippers hater and a Lakers fan. Uh, but, I mean, already we're seeing with the, what's come out of it. Doc Rivers has been fired. Um, there's rumors of what's going to happen to PG. People saying he's not, like, loved by the team at all. Um, you know, I mean... I guess you're, you would probably be more objective about the Clippers, but did you see that 3-1 coming? 3-1 comeback coming from the Nuggets at all? I think uh, ever since the bubble started, the Clippers looked like they were a little bit suspect. Um, they, I think, tried to coast all season with the, with the hopes that once the playoffs start, they're going to be ready to go. They're going to be locked in, kind of similar to what they were last year as like these, this gritty team. But I think what happened was that they, you're right. They, they were they were a little bit too confident that they could put it together. And I'm not gonna say I'm surprised because we all know how hard it is for a first year team, like a first year super team, to really have that chemistry that's necessary. And on top of that, the, in the fact that PG and Kawhi, whether it's load managing or injury, played very few games together before the bubble and then even with the, when the bubble started you know you had the Lou Williams fiasco you had the fact that Trez was not playing I'm I'm not really surprised I'm not really surprised I think that the firing of Doc Rivers was probably premature only because you know you've seen this with pretty much every super team that's built has the first season as growing pains I mean we saw with the heat when LeBron and Bosch went there and so I think I think that they probably have a lot of chemistry problems. The difference between the Heat and them was that the Heat, three superstars loved each other, and I don't know what kind of relationship Chris, uh, what kind of relationship Kawhi and PG actually have. I mean, clearly Kawhi was trying to recruit him, but I don't know if they're friends. I don't know if Kawhi has friends uh, in the NBA or if he's sort of more of like a, you know, comes and does his job kind of thing. The other thing. Um, so I, I could say I, I kind of saw it come. I didn't see a three-one collapse. I knew that they would probably struggle in the playoffs. I really thought they would probably make it to play LeBron and the Lakers, um, and I thought it would be. I thought that would be a competitive series, and you know either team could come out of that. I didn't see this happening. I have to give a lot of credit to as much 
you know, credit as you take away from the Clippers for collapsing and PG and and um, and Kawhi not completing the games and being up this many points and coming back in the second, the Nuggets coming back in the second half. I think the one thing to remember is that the the benefit of the Clippers, the reason why everyone was on the Clippers coattails the whole year was because of their depth. And we really didn't see any of their depth show up. Like, yes, PG and Kawhi missed a lot of shots that they probably should have made. But they're also a team that were like eight, nine men deep. And where were all those guys? I mean, I think there's a lot of onus on PG. And he really did suck, especially in that first round. But he played better in the second round. Maybe not during crunch time, but he played better in the second round. And um, I, I don't know. If I were them, like PG said in his uh, post-game you know, pep talk to his team, Let's run it back. I think they should have tried at least to run it back one more season. I think this decision about firing Doc Rivers was a uh, an ownership decision rather than a general manager decision. I think Lawrence Frank wanted him to stay. And that's a little bit disappointing because I don't as much of a big fan as Balmer is, he's he's not an, he's not a basketball mind, you know. He's not he's not been around the NBA for like 30 years like some of the other owners. Granted, you know, I'm a big believer in ownership should never have a hand in anything as a Knicks fan. I don't want James Dolan doing anything, but you can see how sometimes ownership can get in the way of a team building something. And honestly, if the Clippers might be the, the Knicks of L.A. Ooh, Knicks of L.A. Wow, that's a bold proclamation. Um, I think you pretty much summed it up very well. I think the biggest thing with them is we've te- seen teams coast before, but it's never in their first season together, if that makes sense. Um, like when the Celtics, the big three formed, the first season, they were just so good. They were always going all out. Um, even the Miami big three, yeah, they lost in the finals to the, the Mavs. But that first season, they were always like going at it. Um, and these Clippers kind of were coasting like in their first season together. And you just usually don't see that because you want to use the first season to build up and um, kind of get that chemistry. And then once you kind of know each other very well, then you could always say, hey, we'll turn it on in the playoffs. But if you've never done that before, how can you just coast in the first season itself? Do you think that the fact that the NBA was shut down and, you know, we, we shaved off about 20 games of the regular season, do you think that was the worst thing that could have happened for the Clippers? Because maybe they were coasting all season and their goal was to start sort of start putting it together come February, March, April, right before the playoffs and maybe the first round of the playoffs and stop having so many gap days and and you know this this wasn't a team like the Lakers who were even in you know even with the height of COVID nineteen they weren't like as far as we know working out together there wasn't there was that wasn't happening like like was happening at Le, uh, LeBron's estate so do you think the worst thing that happened for the Clippers was actually the fact that the NBA was shut down and then when the bubble came around they just they you know the, the whole Lou Williams thing and obviously the the sad passing of Montrose Hale's grandmother but like. Do you think if the NBA had continued, they probably would have been able to use those 20 games to gel together? Because we see that a lot. You're right, probably not in first-year teams, but we see that a lot where like teams with injuries can get hot in the end. And, and you know, your your uh, bright young Phoenix Suns did that. They, they got hot in the bubble. And do you think this was the opposite of the Suns? They got really cold in the bubble, and that's that's really what came was their demise. Yeah, I mean, the bubble definitely tests uh, team chemistry. I think we're seeing that now. Um, if you look at it, Lakers and Heat, they both seem to love being around each other. Um, we, we always see LeBron and AD. Like they, the Lakers seem like a team that loves each other. The same with the Heat. The, we always hear about Heat culture. Hashtag Heat culture. <laughs> and I think that that 
you know, that's what hurt the Clippers. Uh, like you said, I mean, Kawhi recruited PG for sure. But maybe that was just for an on-the-court uh, partnership. We don't know what they're like off the court. Um, and I think the Clippers were just never a team that liked being around each other. And now when you're put in a bubble where, you know, you that's all you have. You don't have family members around. You only got your teammates. And so if you don't have that chemistry, you know, I think that definitely hurts them. Uh, I, I think it's, it's hard to tell. It, you know, every as far as the, the break that happened, every team had to deal with it. Um, every team had co- players testing positive for COVID-19 prior to coming in. Some people had opt-outs. And, you know, so it's, it's – I think it's issues that every team had to deal with it. Um, so – I don't know if that that is what hurt the Clippers. I think it's the bubble definitely did hurt them, um, and you know it's 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 really hard to tell. I think that's a th- that w- that's what we're seeing from these playoffs. We ha- we have a five seed from the Eastern Conference who made it, so you know you never know what would have happened if it was in a regular playoffs. And I guess my other big question about the Clippers is, you know, routinely in the past when there's super teams, there's one superstar who's already there, and this was like a unique thing about. The, the Clippers and something we'll probably see about the Nets last year it's it's rare that a team is doing pretty well like the, the Nets were doing on their own before before Katie and Kyrie and the Clippers were doing before PG and Kawhi and do you think that you know that old formula of a, a superstar recruiting someone to their team that guy already has respect in the locker room and do you think the the problem here was you guys the, the Clippers who were already doing pretty well I mean they made the playoffs and they were a they were a great team the fact that they had two new guys and whatever we say about how vocal you know Kawhi is and how vocal PG is the big thing is a lot of those guys were getting big minutes a lot of those role guys now were getting big minutes back when PG and Kawhi weren't there and do you think that that was a problem like let's say Kawhi had been there for a year and then PG came it would be different similar to what we're seeing with the Lakers I mean not that LeBron wouldn't get respect of the people around him because he's been in doing this for so long but do you think the reason why the Lakers are doing much better this year from a chemistry perspective is that they had a whole season with LeBron even if he was sitting he commanded that locker room he got respect and then he also got to recruit some of his own guys JR isn't playing that much Dion's not playing that much but there's still guys in the locker room Rondo and LeBron have this relationship for a while. Dwight and LeBron have this relationship for a while. So do you think the fact that both of those guys explanted at the same time was another reason for the chemistry issues? Yeah, I didn't even think about that. I mean, yeah, when the Celtics formed their big three, Paul Pierce was already there. When the Miami did it, um, you know, uh, Dwayne Wade was already still there. Uh, Warriors, yeah. Uh, I mean, KD just came into a team with the Steph already there, Steph, Clay, Draymond. So it's very rare. And we already saw as soon as the game was, or after that series was over, there was already reports that, you know, my, the Clippers players were wondering why PG is getting the superstar treatment as well. They didn't think he was just as good. They thought Kawhi deserved it, but not PG. Um, Montrez and PG apparently had a dispute where Montrez was like, we can never tell you anything. Like, we can never tell you what you're doing wrong. And so, you know, it's always like these reports always come out after after the fact because it's easy to report it um, and people can say this is what led to their demise. Uh, but you know, I just want to you know kind of close off by saying we got to give credit to the Nuggets too. Uh, no team has ever done three, two straight three one comebacks. Um, you know, even though in the next round they eventually lost. I mean, th- yeah, that that was just one of those great things. Every <laughs> when they were down three one to the Jazz, we thought that series was over. They came back. Everyone thought they were da- they were down three one to the Clippers. 
And then in game five, they were down 18 with two minutes left in the third quarter, and they somehow came back to win that series. You got to give props to them. Um, and so, I mean, it's, it's going to be an interesting offseason for the, yeah. And it's going to be an interesting offseason for these Clippers. Uh, you know, first thing, they're already going to hire a new coach, so we'll see what happens there. Um, but I think the other, the other interesting storyline that's come out of the East now is maybe it's just maybe it's just all speculation but with the heat beating the bucks the way they did in five games um and i think the bucks were another team that was hurt by the fact that they didn't have home court uh they earned the number one overall seed and the fact that they didn't have home court kind of definitely hurt them but the way the heat beat the bucks in five games thoroughly dominated that series i think it was a gentleman sweep they should have probably won game four but i think the heat kind of let down after Giannis went out but the speculation has already started about Giannis' future. Uh, I remember talking to you before the playoffs started and being like, hey, did these Giannis' bucks remind you of LeBron's caps the first time around where it's this one great player, but he hasn't fully developed his game yet. And, you know, in the playoffs, is that going to work? And we've seen that and last year. He lost in the conference finals, this year in the semifinals, just beaten by a better overall team. Um, and he just didn't have the players around him step up. And, you know, I was thinking ultimately is the Brogdon, the fact that they didn't sign him, is that going to come back to haunt them? It didn't in the regular season, but I think they could have used him in the playoffs. What do you think about that uh, Bucks uh, series loss? Well, first, um, I guess the big thing just, I, I wonder if a little bit of the Bucks focus if from playing basketball was taken away. I know a lot of them were really affected by the social justice movement, and I... I, I I don't want that to be an excuse for them. I think that's a very meaningful cause. And I'm really happy that they did what they did to change the NBA and, and and show that there's a voice and show that NBA players have a lot of power because they have their voice. And the fact that, you know, they have ownership that's willing to listen to them because they are, um, you know, high profile, make a lot of money. And, and, you know, let's be honest, a lot of the ownership is becoming more and more progressive. You see the older owners like Donald Sterling that have a really... Um, conservative thought process maybe a lot of those guys are ending up selling and you have a lot of more progressive owners that want to see change as well uh taking over and i'm proud of the nba for being sort of the professional league that's setting an example for everyone and i wonder if part of part of that was also a reason why they weren't focused i think the heat were a better team um and we're seeing that now you know maybe maybe during that round we we're like what is going on but now we saw the heat you know, fairly easily handled the the six uh, the the Celtics as well, and so I don't know, I don't know. I I think they 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 I think they resemble the Cavs in the sense that LeBron and Giannis both came into the NBA, didn't have great jumpers, they're super athletic, both in a small market. Um, but I think the difference is that the cat uh, the the Cavs seem like they weren't really willing to invest the money to get a team around him and I think the Bucks are I, I, I don't know if that's going to be enough and I don't know if that's compelling enough for um, Giannis, to, Giannis to stay in his community it is telling that LeBron who grew up in Cleveland decided to leave Cleveland and you know ultimately Giannis doesn't have ties to Milwaukee besides having started his career there having started his family there so that concerns me that you know he doesn't have as much motivation to stay and if he really doesn't feel like he's getting the team around him that is necessary for him to succeed, and, and if and if he defines success as championships, I mean, not all players do. 
not all players maybe in this day and age that's what we focus on is um, championships but but historically not not all players will descend to another team for a championship and um, maybe maybe Giannis is not one of them or maybe there's something about you know we've seen non-american players stick with their teams for a longer period of time whether you talk about you know uh, Dirk Nowitzki staying with this team even if he risked not winning anything obviously Duncan is from the Virgin Islands but he he stayed with this team pretty much his whole career you know as much as we think about Kobe as an American he also spent a lot of time abroad when with when growing up um so is could this be something about like you know I don't I don't envision Luca leaving KP's obviously a different story because he asked to, he asked for a trade but I wonder if there's something different in the DNA of someone like Giannis that um, doesn't make him feel like it's championship or bust, or, or maybe I'm maybe I'm completely wrong. I don't know, but um, I think that at least the Bucks have tried and they can hang their hat on that. Yeah, I, I, I think you can't fault them for anything besides the letting go of Brogdon. Um, I think that's the one mistake they made, and the Bledsoe extension. Um, I think that was just done too soon. They should have waited till the off season, but. Hindsight's always twenty twenty, um, and you know it, it was funny because after that series, I think Giannis they said had a three hour meeting with the owner, and you know anytime you're having a three hour meeting, it's that that's a long time to talk to someone, a three hour meeting. Um, but I think they pr- basically promised him that we'll continue to spend, we'll uh, make all the necessary financial sacrifices to make sure we build a winner around you. Um, I think he won't sign the Supermax this offseason, if not, not because he wants to leave, but I think it just doesn't financially make sense because we've already heard about how their cap's not going to go up right now because of the COVID hit um, and the China hit. So it just doesn't make sense for him to lock down a five-year extension right now when no one knows what's going to happen with the cap. Um, And unfortunately for Milwaukee, that means even if they offer it, he can say no for financial reasons and not because he wants to leave so they don't know exactly what he could be thinking in terms of planning and you can't you can't trade a guy like Giannis um the Cavs couldn't trade LeBron the Thunder couldn't trade KD you know these players you don't trade um just because they're like the absolute top you know you kind of have to go for it even in their year uh that they're approaching free agency we've seen in the past other superstars traded before they hit that free agency year but I think people like Giannis, LeBron, KD, these are like the guys that you just can't trade. Um, but, you know, the other the team that won that series was the Miami Heat. Um, you know, we've seen the a resurgence of the Heat just because of Dragic putting into the get became like, you know, Goran Dragic of 10 years ago. Uh, he discovered himself, 30, uh, his 34-year-old now, but he's playing like he's 24 Bam was just like, I mean, I never saw this from Bam, I'll be honest. When he played on Kentucky, he was the third wheel to Malik Monk and De'Aaron Fox. And he was just a guy you thought would be high energy, getting rebounds, uh, put back dunks. I never saw this from Bam. I mean, he dominated that Eastern Conference Finals. He's probably the best player in the series. Um, Jimmy Butler is like, found his perfect team. Tyler Hero, I mean, <laughs> same. In Kentucky, I thought he was just a shooter. He's, like, making shots off the dribble, doing everything. Duncan Robinson is amazing. Um, I've never seen someone with that quick of a release. <laughs> and Jay Crowder has kind of found himself. So they just have a great team. And I think that's why they're representing the East in the finals. Um, you know, obviously, game one didn't speak of that story. But, I mean, I think we do have to acknowledge that Dragic and Bam were both hurt. Um, that definitely affected game one. 
Um, and then, you know, Lakers' size obviously was too much. And Bam is their <laughs> kind of their best big man. And now that he's out, uh, that's unfortunate for them. Uh, but did you, I guess, before we just talk about the series, did you see the Heat making this kind of run to the finals? I didn't. I didn't see the Heat making this kind of run. I, I knew that they had advantages over certain teams. And I think the matchups they've had thus far sort of um, worked in their favor. What, by, by that, what I mean is that, you know, in the first round, they played Indiana and they played an Indiana team without Sabonis. And I think Sabonis, and, and I think this is why we're seeing such a big, um, why, why we're seeing such a big step taken forward by someone like Bam is because in the first round, he didn't have that much competition. His, the guy that would have been, you know, his sort of direct competition would have been Sabonis. In the second round, um, the, you didn't see, like, you didn't see... Giannis was not his primary defender. And so, you know, again, Bam didn't have somebody who matched up with his athleticism as well as his ability to pop out and shoot. And so he was usually being guarded by a center like Brooke. And, you know, as much as we like Brooke for what he is, he's not a defensive stalwart. And then in the next round, it was Daniel Tice. And so I think the one thing that is to be said is Bam's taken a big step. But this is the first time where he's truly being challenged, whether they're putting LeBron on him or whether they're putting AD on him. I think he's truly being challenged and you're sort of seeing that now. Um, I think the, the the Heat match up poorly with the Lakers from the because of the fact that they the, the Lakers go big and the Heat are a team that's thrived on going small with, you know, their their three guard lineup. Um, and unfortunately, you know, this the bubble has been really great and I think we avoided a lot of injuries that I expected, a lot of soft tissue injuries, but now we're seeing them pile up and maybe there's a figment of playing games every other day essentially for three months or I, I don't know what it is but it's um it's disappointing because you know Jimmy's gonna play and Jimmy already said you know everyone's counting us out but we're not counting ourselves out but there is something to be said that they probably already were heavily underdogs coming into the series to win the series people probably had them getting you know two games maybe but with these injuries that are racking up especially like an older Dragic, who will probably take a little bit of time to heal, and Bam, who's re-injured. It's never good to re-injure something. Um, I think that the finals will not be as competitive as I'd hoped. Yeah, I mean, injuries are just... They're just annoying. I mean, they always ruin like a series that could be great. Uh, last year, with no, with no KD, no Clay, you know, I think that series wasn't as great as it could have been. Um, just, I guess, the year that Kyrie and Love were out for the Cavs, you know. I think that year the Cavs should have probably beaten the Warriors if uh, Kyrie and Kevin Love were there. Um, and it's just annoying when injuries take away from the game, especially with a team like the Heat, who ha- have been on this great run. And I, it's it's unfortunate, like you said, um, that their best big man and their point guard are both out. Um, but you know, the one thing about the Heat is you know they're led by Spolstra and Riley. I think there's someone that, regard even with injuries, they they're just coached so well, and they always find ways to bring bring players that you know that always are going to play hard. I think that's the thing with Bam. Um, the reason they probably drafted him is they noticed that he made they you know the reason he was drafted at 13, basically or end of the lottery. Same with Hero, is that these guys didn't put up great college stats, but the Heat probably saw something in them where they they noticed that. If they if we bring them into our system, 
with the way that we work, we can probably develop these guys. And they've done that with Hero and Bam. Um, and, you know, it, it takes talent to draft at the end of the lottery like they have and build from there. Um, because the end of the lottery is kind of that middle zone where you're not bad enough to get, like, the, the absolute star at, the, uh, at, like, the first, second, third pick. But that also means you're not you're, you're drafting in the mid lottery or end of the lottery. You're not one of those good teams that made the playoffs, and they somehow been there the past two years and built from there. And now their cap sheet moving forward is really good because they were able to get rid of Dion Waiters, James Johnson, who were these bad contracts, and now they're everyone. They pretty much cleared out their cap uh, cap sheet. I think Kelly Olynyk is maybe the only bad contract left on the team, but you know they're going to be a player in 2021 free agency with uh, a lot of cap space. I, I agree. You know, as much as their management has been really good, the the, the few years post LeBron era was pretty bad for them. I think they made some questionable decisions. They gave out some of those quote unquote poison pill contracts, and um, they were able to move a lot of those guys. and And ultimately, they were able to find a superstar who works well in their system. I think that that's one of the challenges that the Heat had all the whole time, and was that they have they're this strict culture team. You know, three percent body fat or whatever it's called. Um, and not everyone fits well in that culture. And I think, you know, uh, part of it was maybe LeBron couldn't fit in that culture. He did for those years where he won the championship and he learned how to be a winner. But maybe that, that was his long term, not, not the place where he found himself being the happiest. You know, um, they are good at taking guys who um, are, are sort of a little bit forgotten or maybe they they haven't lived up to their expectations yet and turning them into something else i mean we saw that with Dwayne wade you know Dwayne wade wasn't the most coveted guy coming out of college clearly um he went to you know he was at marquette right yep. and so he wasn't you know he wasn't at one of these like elite basketball teams even though marquette is pretty good um and he fit into that culture he's this like hard-nosed working kind of guy and jimmy is the same way I hope this is they're they're here to stay. But you, the one thing you do find challenging with teams like the Heat um, is when you don't have like a like a one like a top five ten player. Not that Jimmy may not be as a two way player, but you know Jimmy's not necessarily the guy you're going to just give the ball and say get us fifty tonight. Like he just isn't. And sometimes you need that to have consistent success in the NBA. And so I would also not be surprised if next year the Heat don't do as well as they're doing this year. Like that wouldn't surprise me. Uh, it is good that they have cap space and maybe just like all these other teams have been able to do, maybe they'll be able to recruit somebody to come and play with Jimmy. The question ends up being the hardest question I think that comes with the heat is Jimmy likes being the guy, you know, when, when Jimmy is not the guy, I don't think he likes that. Whether that was the whole Derek Rose situation where Derek Rose came back and was sort of asking to be the guy and Jimmy was not having any of it, whether it was in Minnesota when, you know, he was, um, when Cat was sort of the guy there, the franchise player there, and Jimmy was sort of trying to take the reins, or same thing in, in the, on the Sixers. Now Jimmy has his team. He's but all these young guys, for the most part, um, that are playing. I mean, you have other guys that are older on the team, but the young guys listen to him. If they were to bring in someone, like even let's say, hypothetically, let's say they get Devin Booker. Devin Booker is going to want to be the guy, and is Jimmy going to be able to tolerate that? I don't know, but we'll see. I hope so because I think that the Heat can be really successful, but I don't know if Jimmy is able to give up the reins as we would hope from other NBA players. Yeah, I mean Jimmy's just one of those guys. I mean, let's just say the track record speaks for itself. Every time, every team he leaves, 
the way he's left the teams maybe not be the best, but every team after they he's left has done worse. After he left Chicago, they've been bad. After he left the he the bull or the Wolves made the playoffs with him. After he left, they've been pretty bad. Sixers last year were one that Kawhi miracle shot away from an Eastern Conference Finals. And after Jimmy left, they lost in the first round. So every team Jimmy goes to gets better. And every time after he leaves, they do worse. So that's just probably his culture setter. And, you know, he's found the perfect home in Miami. Um, I think we can just wrap off this pod by saying, you know, excited for this game too tonight. Um, I, it looks like I, uh, Bam is not playing tonight. Um, the alert just came. So the Heat will be down two starters. But like I said, you could just never count out this Heat team. Um, what are you, some of the things you're looking forward to in game two? I, I think um, I'm lost for words. I mean, I ultimately think this is going to end up being like a sweep or a gentleman sweep, like four or five games. I think it'll be a little bit under-satisfying for casual NBA fans. I think it's probably, you know, Lakers fans and LeBron fans are probably really happy right now because this is probably the least contested of his his NBA, you know, his NBA championships, let's say. Just like as much as I love the Nets in the early 2000s, like whenever, you know, the, when the Nets made the finals, it, it was it was sort of a cakewalk. And I think that this is going to be similar. I think it's unfortunate the injuries added up. I think it would have been a more competitive series. In game two, all I'm looking for is for the Heat to come out and play with heart. Even if they lose by 20, they come out and play with heart and give us a good show. I think that's all we can ask for. I think even if they were full strength, they, it would have been really challenging. But I think Jimmy said it best. If they want to win this, they have to play a perfect game, especially now without injuries. They probably had to pay, play you know, 90% perfect before, and now it has to be 100%. I just don't think that that's feasible over the course of you know, winning four out of six games is against a team like the Lakers led by LeBron. I think that's not feasible to be that perfect, but I hope they can do it, even if it's for a, a game or two. Yeah. Um, you know, injuries are always part of the game, but it should still be a... We'll see how the game goes tonight. Um, I think Lakers are wearing their mom, Mamba jerseys tonight, so that's always special when they wear those jerseys um, in honor of Kobe. Um, and, you know, it, it. I think it's... You're right. <laughs> LeBron's always had these issues where his, his teammates have been the ones getting hurt, like with Kyrie or Kevin Love. Um, it always seems like he was getting the short end of the stick, um, and it seems like maybe that, that luck is turning a little bit, but... Excited for game two tonight and this rest of the series. We'll sign off on this pod. Bye, guys.